Well, let's get in the Word. I am so excited. This series on Christ the Healer is building this foundation of healing in our life. Faith begins where the will of God is known, right? And you could look at the ministry of Jesus when he was on this earth, and you could know the will of God for all men for all time by looking at what Jesus did, especially in relation to healing and also in relation to your finances. In in relation to your finances, Jesus never, ever allowed lack to be in his presence. He comes up to a fig tree that doesn't have fruit, he curses it. He, He just never allowed lack in his life. He never allowed anything in his life to tell him there's lack. He's preaching to 5,000 men and their families, probably 12 to 15, maybe 20,000 people. They were with him. You think I preach long? These people were with him for three days, right? Could you imagine? Wow, that would just be like heaven. But you'd have to be, you'd have to be in shape to preach for three days, right? Right? Hallelujah. But they were with him, and he just looked at he, he noticed, he's preaching, and he's like, oh, man. You know, he's probably, could you imagine 15, 20,000 people, how many people's stomachs were growling? It was probably like a rumble. Just, and he's like, oh, we got to feed these people, right? And with, with five loaves, two fishes, what happened? He fed all those people, and the person, the little boy who sowed it, he went home with seven baskets full, right? He never allowed lack. In relation to sickness and disease, the Bible says he went about teaching and preaching and healing. It was a huge part of the ministry of Jesus. So we've looked at some individual cases. This is week six, but we've looked, you know, we've said a lot of things about principles to receive your healing. This is, these are really principles of faith. You receive everything from God the same way, right? You hear the word of God and the faith of God is birthed in your life, which enables you to lay hold of everything that God has already given you by his grace. Does that make sense? That's so, so that's how that whole thing works. You got saved the same way you'll get healed. So these principles, they'll help you. And we've seen some different things. You know, the woman with the spirit of infirmity, 18 years, we looked at her. This is a lady that was bent over for 18 years, coming to church for 18 years bent over. And Jesus on the Sabbath day says, shouldn't this woman who's a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, showing that just what the word says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus called sickness and disease satanic oppression. If you've ever had a disease or if you've ever been sick, you know it's satanic oppression, right? If you've ever been in lack, you know that is not fun. And, and listen, if you want to know if you've been religiously indoctrinated with the ideas of men and not the word of God, you will sit there and think, well, maybe God is using this sickness or disease to teach me something. Well, let me put your mind at ease. This is, we'll just answer the question right away. The only thing that you learn about being sick or in pain 
or have a de debilitating disease, what you learn in that is that living without it is much better. Right? And so let's just put that one to bed. Okay, I've learned it. I've learned it, right? The thing that you learn if you're in lack is that being in abundance is much better, right? To be honest with you, you'll think a lot less about finances and money when you're in abundance than you do when you're in lack, right? So the Bible says for the woman with the spirit of infirmity, she was a daughter of Abraham. Not only are you children of Abraham, but the Bible says you are children of God. We're of the lineage of Abraham because we're born again. So ought not we be loose too, right? Even more so. Then we had the woman with the issue of blood. We learned some things that she never felt anything until she says things, said something. So she, she says when she, it says when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, and for she said, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And then Jesus says to her, woman, your faith has made you whole. Isn't that amazing? So then we go on. We have the nobleman's son. I think we talked about him last week. This guy comes to Jesus. He literally leaves his son on a deathbed, walks, does an overnight journey to where Jesus is, but he has it in his mind how his son is to be healed by Jesus, and Jesus has to work on him to get him in the right place. But finally, it says the nobleman believed when Jesus says, go home, your son lives. And he walked an overnight journey. And he found out that his son started to amend the moment that Jesus said, your son lives, and he believed it. See, it's not enough for God to just say it, right? Because we got to believe it. See, we're not healed. We're not blessed. God doesn't move in our life because it's fair or because it's right. No, no. We, he's able to move because we believe it. In other words, as you look at these 19 individual cases of healing, and I don't know if we'll go through all 19 of them. You know, we've only gone through, gone through six right now. I don't know if we could take that much time right now. But we're just kind of hand-picking some different ones as the Lord stirs me. But you see that the person's faith was the determining factor in literally 17 of the 19 right? I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Showing forever the will of God for all men for all time in relation to physical healing. Jesus just as much died on the cross for your healing as he did for your sin. That's how come if you look at Isaiah 53, which we went through week one in depth, it always has it together, right? It, 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 it talks about how that he forgives our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. It says that over and over. It's always together. Jesus paid the price. We talked about the leper. Remember the leper? He's the only one of the 19 that says, Jesus, I know you can heal me, but will you? Which is exactly where everybody's at right now. Everybody in the Christian world, or, or I would say most of everybody, would say, oh yeah, God could do anything he wants. But the question is, will he? And Jesus touched the man who was full of leprosy and said, he answered the question, of course I will, I always will. It was in the continual present tense in the Greek. Right. Isn't that good news? The blind man at Bethsaida, 
Remember him? Jesus, because Bethsaida had rejected the ministry of Jesus, Jesus went in and he takes the man out of this environment of unbelief, heals him, helps him get in the position to receive his healing, and then tells the man, don't go back in that environment of unbelief. Don't even tell anybody that you know there. In other words, Jesus talked about the importance of being in a right environment. This is huge. This is huge. Today I want to talk to you about the paralyzed man who was born by four. Remember that? They tore up the roof and his four friends literally lowered him down to where Jesus was. You know, if you study this out, it, it's, prob- it's pretty clear that, that he tore up Jesus' roof. I, that's why I never have any meetings in our house. You know, because I just don't want that to happen. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. But we're going to look at that today. So I want you to turn in your Bibles. Now, this is in three different accounts. We'll go through all of them, but we're going to look at the account in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. You know, before you go to Mark chapter 2, though, go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 1. Hallelujah. This actually is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this account And we want to look at all the accounts to get a full picture of this story. But in Hebrews 1.1, it says, God, who at sundry times, in other words, at various times, and in diverse manners, many different ways, many different manners, spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Look at verse 2, half. In these last days, these are the days we're living in, spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. In other words, Jesus is the creator of all things. Right? Remember how the Trinity works all through the Bible. God comes up with the plan. Jesus carries out the plan. And the Holy Spirit reveals the plan, right? They work together. And then it talks about Jesus. Jesus who being the brightness of his glory and the express image. This In the English language, it would be the exact expression of his person. In other words, everyone who saw Jesus saw the Father exactly. So when you and I, when we peer into the Word of God and we see Jesus, we are also seeing who the Father is. And you could also say we're even seeing who the Holy Spirit is. Because they're all the the same. Isn't that amazing? It says, and upholding all things by the word of His power, in other words, by the utterance of His power, This is the word dunamis. That's miraculous power that's released. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, my Lord and your Lord, he is the final authority. All authority has been given to him and he gave us the power of attorney of his name which holds all of his authority. So on the earth today, 
This isn't a close battle. You might feel you're in a close battle today. You might even feel that it's not even close, that you're losing. But that's not true. You have already won. You have all authority. Satan has no authority. Unless you choose to give some of that up by receiving his words, his lies, right? We talked about that Wednesday night. So this is interesting. Most people in the ministry of Jesus, most people today will receive their healing through their own faith. Really, it's God's faith that comes as we hear his words. It's not about, but see, here's the key. It's not about hearing with your head. To be honest with you, you can't. You have to hear God's word with your heart. But in order to hear God's word, you have to have your eyes on it, and it has to be first place in your life. And then you hear it. Hearing has more to do with what's said than what's heard. Because when you hear God's word, you literally, on the inside of you, hear The word becomes alive. The Holy Spirit opens it. Revelation flows, and it flows out of your spirit, and you communicate that word to your mind, and it will renovate your thinking and change your whole life or transform your whole life. It's got to be first. The people in Jesus' ministry, it says they would come to hear and be healed, and we talked about that. So this is huge, Right? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's the thing. You can tell if you're hearing the word. You know how you can tell? If you're excited. If you're not excited, you're listening. Right? When you're ministering to somebody, you can tell if they're really hearing because they'll be excited. Right? When something is real to you, you get excited. When the things of Satan are real to you, that excitement is, you could, you could take that out and you could say when you hear his words because you're focused on his words of death, you will get in fear, stress, and toil, and you can see. All you got to do is look in the mirror, and you'll look like this. Well, that's just my personality. No. No, no, no. That's not your... That, that, that might be the personality that you've walked in because Satan has twisted your personality a little bit. But if you'll get your eyes on Jesus, he'll... He'll twist that, he'll untwist that personality, and you'll be excited. Now, you might not run, you might not dance. You know, total excitement for some people might be a tear. Total excitement when somebody's just going wild, they like go like this. But it's all good, right? Because guess what? Our our personality came from who? Our father. It's all good. When you get excited about the word of God, man, it'll always work for you, right? So realize this, Jesus 
went about teaching, preaching, and healing. You know, it's amazing what's happening in our body. It's really awesome. Some people that have been under, like Wayne, boy, it's good to see you, man. You look great. Because the healing power of God's working. And we're learning as a church family that we just don't receive this stuff alone. We receive it together. I mean, Fran, yesterday, the report that you got, not that we're moved by it, because we're expecting it. But you know, the, 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 the hole in Bud's lung healed up. And they're like, man, there's nothing we could do to heal this up. Well, that's okay. So we were talking. We're like, well, okay. So we know how this one's going to go. You know, where, where at one point, Bud's lungs were breathing 9%, I think, at one point, and the machine was 91%. Now the machine's 40%, and Bud's breathing 60%. Now they're starting to wean him off of sedation. Yeah, so he'll, he'll be out of the hospital very soon in a rehab center. Then he'll be home with his wife, and then he'll be standing up here on a Sunday morning preaching. And people will be getting healed all over the place, right? Why? Because Bud? No, no. It's because the Word. It's because of Jesus. This attack against his body, just like any attack against your body, it's illegal. And faith never denies it. We don't deny that we have something going on in our body. We open-eyed get angry and go, you, we deny your right to stay in my body. And here's the cool thing. Jesus watches over his word to perform it. Oh my gosh, you have to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Go to 2 Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament. I'll tell you what page here in a minute. 2 Chronicles 16, I believe it's about verse 9. Hallelujah. Boy, that just jumped out of my spirit and slapped me in the face. 2 Chronicles 16.9, this will bless you, because God never changes, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, Hebrews 13.8, right? God says, I'm not a man that I should lie, neither am I the son of man that I should repent or change. So 2 Chronicles 16.9 on page 491 It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. In other words, God is on his throne. Jesus is sitting at his right hand. He is the high priest of our profession. And his eyes are looking at every life in the whole world. It's what he does. Why? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Well, why only those whose heart is perfect? Because if your heart is not perfect towards him, he would have to violate your will to show himself strong. In other words, God is ready to move in everybody's life, but we decide. And this word strong in the Hebrew language is awesome. It means to fasten and to bind. In other words, Jesus is looking who he could come and fasten himself to and bind himself to. You know when the word of God binds itself to your spirit, man, 
power is released to heal every cell of your body. That's why cancer can't live. That's why diabetes can't live. That's why things amend. It literally means, this Hebrew word means to cleave. Isn't that, he sent his word and his word cleaved to me. It was bound to me. You know, I just, have a, I just have an idea that God is so strong when he cleaves and when he binds, nothing can unbind that. Amen. Hallelujah. He fastens upon. It literally means to seize upon. So it's like Jesus is looking. The guy, the God who is holding the whole universe together. And when he sees somebody whose heart's perfect towards him, he seizes upon them. I got to tell you, things change when that happened. The Bible says virtue and power went out of Jesus on the earth and it healed all of them. It said that multitudes, this would be tens of thousands of people from all the regions round about, brought all their sick people and literally power was released that healed all of them. I wonder, that was before his resurrection when he said, now all power and all authority is given to me. I wonder now, if it's harder for God to hold the earth on its axis and all the other innumerable amount of planets and galaxies on their axis, I wonder, now think about that. While he's doing that, his eyes are looking at the most precious thing in his whole creation, you. I wonder if he could change your situation. Do you see how foolish we'll go, and this is why an environment is so important, we will go to, into a doctor's office or get a phone call and hear a diagnosis and get freaked out when God is in your life ready to eradicate whatever that report is and turn it. This isn't fantasy. This is why Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship intimate it's not where i'm trying to be good enough to be accepted by god that's backwards that's religion christianity is about god looking at man who could never ever be in relationship with him he was cut off and so god sent his own son to take our place to prepare a way now the only thing separating man from god you know who it is it's jesus God's not imputing anybody's sins against anybody. The, the, what the natural, what, what we would consider the worst sinner who's done the worst things that we could ever imagine, God already paid for that. So there's nothing holding him back. And he's saying, if you'll get your heart perfect before me, I'll come and I'll seize upon. This Hebrew word means, it also talks about the benefit of this cleaving and binding and seizing, the benefit of it is it strengthens you. It, this word means to strengthen. Here's another definition of this word. It means to cure you. Whew. So if I just do my part, right? And, and now, now, now you might be sitting here going, yeah, but perfect? Just hold on, because we're going to define the word perfect. And you will see that you qualify this morning. It means to help you 
Here's one. It means he will come and repair you. And he will fortify you. Not, see, when God repairs, he fortifies. So no, no coming back. Right? See, we sing this worship song that's, that, you know, is kind of ridiculous. I'm never going back. You know, and we, we tell God about how horrible we are. And, and, you know, you should only sing that song once if you're in a wrong place. But really, that's a song of the enemy. Those little demons that are assigned against a Christian whose heart is perfect, they're like, oh, Satan, I don't ever want to go back. I'm never going back to deal with that Tony. Man, man, he just takes a word and just slaps me every time. Never going back, right? That was funny. <laughs> Here's one. This word means to conquer and establish. So God literally is looking and he's already won the battle, but when the enemy comes in illegally, he'll still come and conquer what the enemy's trying to do. And then he will establish. That means he'll make you fixed and immovable. We're talking about wholeness. Isn't that good news? Wow, that'll preach. Wow. It says... He does this for those whose heart is perfect toward him. And here is the key. It means those who are faithful to him. Those who are loyal. Those who are dedicated and devoted. Here's one. This word means literally completely willing. So to have your heart perfect, you're just willing. To be wholehearted. You know what wholehearted means? When you mess up, you don't make excuses. See, Bible perfect is not flawless. The enemy wants you to think it is. But you know, you'll choose wrong sometimes. You'll say a wrong thing. You'll do a wrong thing. And guess what? Your heart could still be perfect because you'll know it when you do that. Are you willing to go to him and say, hey, I know this is wrong. And right now, I just, I confess that before you, Father. I didn't have to sin. You broke the power of sin over my life. I chose this. And Father, now I thank you that you're faithful to forgive and cleanse me. It's wholehearted. See, this is where the problem is. Come on, Pastor don't you know you got to preach it's it's really 25 minutes cuz uh i can't handle any more than 25 minutes and and you know i i really need you to heal me god and and you know now i'm i don't have time for you anymore so can you just heal me quick and cuz i got my own life and i'm and i'm and, and people don't say that to god but they say that as they're as they're praying while they're texting and looking on Facebook, and it's distractions. But when you make a decision under the context of, Father, I, I love you, and, and I, I need your help, the Father gets excited about that. Because what does he say? Be continuously strengthened inwardly in me. 
Let me strengthen you. Let me lead you and guide you in all the truth. But you got to be willing. But if you're willing, if you're just willing, if he's number one in your life, his eyes are looking and he wants to come fasten upon you and cure you and fortify you and strengthen you. Isn't that good news? So it would be a good confession for us every day of our life. Father, I thank you today that my heart is perfect towards you, that you are number one in my life, that I'm going to seek you today, and I'm trusting you to help me, to strengthen me, right? And Father, I thank you that I know the Lord Jesus. His eyes are upon me, and he's fastening upon me, and he's curing me, right? He's fortifying me. He's making me whole. He's bringing to pass his plan and purpose for my life. I don't need to see it. I've already seen it in the word of God, and I know you're faithful to bring it to pass for me. Wow. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Well, let's jump in, talk about this paralytic man. We could probably go home right now, right? That scripture, isn't that powerful? I could sense as we were, as we were going through that, that people, even right now, were, were just literally going, yeah, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm not standing for this anymore. Oh, Father, I thank you. Jesus, you're healing my body. Right? Romans 8, 11. The same Spirit, the mighty Holy Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead is on the inside of me and he's quickening my mortal body right now. He's changing my situation right now. He has a future for me. He's moving me. Guys, get ready. The Lord has been dealing with me in our church for our people. God has such a strong desire to move people in a position of new careers, of new, just new things that, that things that have been in your heart forever that you feel kind of stuck, God's going to move you in this area. But you got to be willing and you got to get in the book so that the book gets in you. This is, this is of utmost importance. I don't know if it's just people, if there's anybody here or people speaking, but the Lord would say to you, this has been the reason why you're not going anywhere is because you're so focused on what you don't have that you've lost sight of me, who you do have. So take that and, and, and just press into him, and he'll help you do it. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Let's turn over there, and let's talk about the healing of this paralyzed man who was born by four of his friends. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now, if you study the New Testament and the ministry of Jesus, if he was in a house, it would always tell you whose house he was in, unless it was talking about his own house. That's why I think that he was in his own house, right? So it was noised. He's he's like, everybody, could you imagine... You come, you come into your neighborhood and all your neighbors are going, hey, right? Philip and Emily, they, they, just, they just pulled up to their house. They're, they're there. Anybody need anything? 
right? This is the way it was with Jesus. Now, we, we, we think that's funny, but we're to do the works of Jesus, right? Satan should be like, oh, shoot, he's back in the house, right? And so let's keep going with this. So he was in his house. Now, hold, hold your finger here, and if you want to, I want to read to bring more of this account to kind of fill it all in. Let's look at Matthew's account. That is found in Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to read the eight verses, the first eight verses of Matthew chapter 9. And this is Matthew's account, so it'll fill in some things right here at the beginning of this story. It says here, and he, talking about Jesus, entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. Another reason why I believe that was Jesus' hometown, that's where he lived. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy, a paralytic, a guy who was paralyzed, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, see, Matthew was, he's a tax collector, so he's a maximizer. So he tells this story, like, very fast, right? And seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven you. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? For what is easier to say, Your sins be forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? Notice Jesus said what's easier. In our theology, because of all the hundreds and hundreds of years of teaching and preaching about how Jesus forgives your sins, we would think that it's much easier for Jesus to forgive sin than it is to heal your body. But Jesus is, see, we would look at healing as maybe something hard, but Jesus says, hey, what's easier? In other words, they're both easy, but what's easier? I love the way Jesus thinks, right? He says, what is easier? Your sins be forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power. This is the Greek word, excusia. It means the Son of Man has been given delegated power, or delegated authority on the earth to forgive sins. Then said he to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up your bed, and go unto your house, And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God. Multitudes. So that tells me, see, a multitude listed was a lot. But multitudes, well, Jesus didn't have an 800,000 square foot house. But multitudes saw it they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So that means that literally the man got up and walked home, and, there, and all these people that were outside Jesus' house, all the way maybe to his house, we don't know, they were like, oh my gosh, that, that's the guy, we've been standing out here, they were breaking up the roof, And now look at this. This guy just walked by me. 
Man, I've known Joe. Man, Joe's been paralyzed for a long time. And they glorified God. So now let's look at this. Verse 2 of Mark chapter 2. So here's Jesus. He comes into his town, into his house. And it says, and straightway, or when they knew that he was in the city and going to his house, straightway many were gathered together insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. Now most of these people came for healing, but as we're going to see, not all of them did. There were religious leaders, doctors of the law, scribes and Pharisees, and because of their position, right, because of their position, they got in the house. They got the best seats, right? But they weren't there for healing. They were there to try to catch Jesus, right? But Jesus knew that they would only be able to receive healing as a result of hearing the word first because faith comes by hearing. Do you see how simple this is? Hallelujah. We must find God's will and then we must act on God's will, which is his word. We act on it by standing in faith until we see the answer manifest in our life. Notice how we say the same thing over and over and over. And notice how we need to hear that over and over and over, right? As a pastor, I am called to be used by God to equip you to go do the work of the ministry and to build strength in you with the word of God. That's why you know me, I'm not afraid to teach the same thing. Why? Because when I stand before Jesus, I don't want him to go, like he's had to do in other areas of my life, what, what, what are you doing? Right? No, I don't want, I want to hear well. The first word I want to hear from Jesus, when he says well, I'm going to be like, yeah, okay. Right? Instead of, well, you know. <laughs> we, don't want to, we don't want that one. See, faith expects. Faith fights. Right? Faith is determined. It's persistent. Faith is excited. Faith rejoices. Faith never complains. Faith gives thanks. So listen to that because it'll tell you if you're in faith or not. If you're complaining, you're not in faith. If you're not rejoicing, you're not in faith. Because faith, it's, it's I believe it and I know I have it right now. We must spend time hearing God's word so that it will saturate, allowing the word of God to saturate into our hearts so that our minds could be renewed to it. Receiving and living in divine health demands a cleansing from within. That can be, mean I'm saved and I'm renewing my mind with the truth of God's word. Right? It also comes, it demands that you allow God first place in your life and that a spiritual hunger be continually birthed in you that changes the very course of your life. 
This is what the word will do. It'll change things from within. Right? It'll literally cause you to be laser focused in your walk with God. And it'll create a hunger in you that will cleanse every area of your life. So now, let's look at Luke's account real quick before we go back to Mark to fill some more stuff in. This is found in Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through verse 21. Dr. Luke. It says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, So now we see in the house, this is how we know it was filled with these religious leaders. They were all sitting in the house. They came out of every region. And look at what it says. And the power, the dunamis, the miraculous healing power of God was present to heal them. These guys came to catch Jesus. But his power was still present to heal them. Do you see how the love of God, you know, we get upset at people, but God, here, these guys were there with the wrong motive, and the power was still present to heal them, which tells me that many of them were sick, had different things, and the power was present to heal them. Now think about this. The power of God that went out from him that healed multitudes of people, do you know it doesn't record that one of them received healing? Wow. If the power was present to heal them, then guess what? The power of God is present right now in this room, right now to heal you. It's present to heal you right now. Wow. Hallelujah. The Bible says Hebrews 13, 8, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. It's here to heal you today. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Jesus is here right now. The power is present to heal you today. Wow. All he was... All he did, all that he is, and all that he ever will be is in his matchless name. And he's here. He's your healer. Verse 18, behold, men brought in a bed which was taken, uh, a man which was taken with a palsy, a paralyzed condition, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and they let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And then it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the man, Your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemy? Do you know from that moment on, they called Jesus a blasphemer. Those religious leaders, after seeing this great miracle, left that place 
and spread all over all the regions of Galilee, all the regions of that whole, all those regions that they came out of, they spread that he was a blasphemer. You would think they'd be like, man, this guy, I saw a paralyzed man get off a bed. And it says here, who is this which speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, so in other words, they were saying this within themselves, and the Holy Spirit let Jesus know what they were thinking. He answered, said unto them, what... What reason you in your hearts, whether it is easier to say your sins be forgiven you, or to say rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power, delegated authority, upon the earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your couch, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house glorifying God. Amen. See, you might be here today saying, I don't feel his power. Do you know it doesn't say that this paralyzed man felt the power? It doesn't say he felt anything. Wow. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. So now let's jump back because of time, let's jump back to Mark chapter 2. We are racing through this story. We're all the way to verse 3 now. <laughs> verse 3, Mark chapter 2, verse 3. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born by four, four of his friends. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, could you imagine? Man, they were messing up the hair and the dress of all these religious leaders. I bet Jesus was probably laughing. You know, notice Jesus wasn't going, oh my gosh, that's going to cost me a lot of money to fix my roof. No. No. Because why? There's no lack in the kingdom of God. The thought of lack never even enters Jesus' mind. It never enters that equation, and it's not to enter our equation. Hallelujah. It says, and when they, uh, I'm sorry, when they broke it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Notice that they couldn't get in, so what did they do? They looked up. And that's what you do when you want to receive. When you get in a situation, look up, because that's where your answer is. Amen? This is so important. It took faith to climb up on that roof and break a hole in it and let the paralyzed man down. In other words, faith will always make a way where there is no way. The, the roof was strong enough to hold five men, so this had to be quite a job. Jesus grew up as a carpenter, or at least the son of a carpenter. So I, I, I would imagine Jesus' house was probably built pretty well. It was strong enough to hold five men. Now, I mean, even little Jewish guys, you know, even a, even a smaller man might weigh 150 pounds, right? 
I think my left leg weighs 150 pounds. But I'm in the 270s now, so give me a break, okay? So, but, but literally, that's 750 pounds. So that roof was pretty strong. So that, it's not like they could just take their hands and rip this up. No, no, they're going and getting tools, and they're breaking this thing up, right? Real faith doesn't quit when it meets obstacles. It makes its own entrance into the blessings of God. What's an obstacle? It could be a report. It could be added pain. It could be things, whatever it is. It, it literally, it never quits. This is why we need each other. We don't have to stand alone. When, we, when you get in a battle, not if, you got to know you've got a church family around you, people that know how to believe God, that are in love with you that will stand with you. In the Old Testament, all, they all obtain their inheritance together, never alone. So we see the importance of taking the sick to where the power is flowing despite the obstacles. Their faith was visible through their actions. Operating the principles of faith is much like playing checkers. God moved, and now you must move, right? It's not this, well, if God wants me healed, if it's really his will, he'll just heal me. Well, no, no. No, you have to do something to receive it. Because otherwise God would have to violate your will to push it into your life, and he won't ever violate your will. You must make the move that faith demands. See, what was God's first move? He laid all the sickness that you would ever face in your life. It's already been laid on Jesus 2,000 years ago, right? You must express your faith by believing that Jesus already healed you, acting like you're healed, and thanking God for your healing. In other words, faith is an action. It's not a feeling, right? Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven thee. This is the only situation where we see now Jesus is bringing, this is, this is, well, it's the first time he did this. He did do this other times. But the first time that he did this, he's bringing the connection between sin and sickness. And isn't it amazing that Jesus, calling himself the Son of Man, assumed the right on earth to forgive sins? And that cost him. His reputation then changed. He became a blasphemer for the rest of his ministry to many people. In other words, Jesus, as he was meeting this guy, once again, he's meeting him right where he is in order to get him in a position to receive what God has for him. So Jesus was seeing a deeper need that needed to be met first. In other words, we must learn to put first things first. Do you see that? The nobleman wanted his, his son healed his way. This is why you put first things first. This is why you let the Holy Spirit lead you into receiving your healing. Because there might be some things. There could be some unforgiveness. There could be some things in your life 
There could be sin in your life that's hindering things. This is showing us that God will always help you see it. Isn't that good news? I love that. Many times our physical welfare is held back by our spiritual welfare. Spiritually, I'm born again, but I haven't renewed my mind. I, I'm, I'm not in a position. I, because of some inner turmoil going on in me, I can't really get in faith to receive what God has for me. Jesus will help you. This is why he says, listen, I don't get down on you for the mess you've created. I reveal to you that, hey, listen, I've already paid for that. Don't beat yourself up. Repent and come on. Let's, let's get this out of the way. 3 John 2, right? I love this scripture. I loved it so much, it's on my license plate. Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health, and here's the disclaimer, even as your soul prospers. Our health, our prosperity, is contingent upon our soul prospering. Our soul prospers how? When our mind is renewed with God's word and we're learning how to think right. That's, so in other words, our thinking is so very important. James 1.21 says this, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and the abundance of wickedness. Lay it apart and receive with humility or meekness the implanted this, the, the King James says engrafted, but it literally in the Greek, it's the implanted word which is able to save your soul. It literally means it's able to make your soulish realm whole and complete. 1 John chapter 3 in verse 20 says this, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. Do you know how many believers who God loves, but everything is just, it can't get to them because of this point right here. The person's heart is condemning them. Has, have that, has that ever been you? Have you, ever, have you ever had inner turmoil? Yeah. But it says here, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. You could say then we have faith towards God. And whatsoever we ask, this word ask means whatever we call for, whatever we require, whatever we make a demand for, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep, now this is a little vague in the King James, the translators said because we keep his commandments. But in the Greek language, that's not, it's not plural, it's singular. Because we keep his commandment and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. What is his commandment? That we love one another unconditionally the way God loves us. And that will spur on us doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment that we should believe. Uh, now, now, get this. This is the commandment. One, 
that we should believe on the name of of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Time out. Isn't that two? Nope. The Bible, God says it's one. Isn't that interesting? That's telling me in order to love, in order for me to love Phineas in the same way God loves me, I have to believe on the name of Jesus Christ. It's all all together. So when you look at people who are not walking in love, don't get mad at them. They're not believing on the name. Why? Because they're looking at something else. And none of us should get mad at them because have, have you ever done that? Don't, don't raise your hand. Just look all spiritual. I'll just raise my hand, right? But God, you know, he, he doesn't, he's not going to beat you up. He's wooing you. He has a higher life. See, condemnation in other words. If you read this, condemnation is a faith killer. This man must have had some sin in his life that was keeping him, that caused the paralysis, that opened a door to the enemy to bring that, and Jesus is dealing with this. Verse 6, coming down to the end of this. I'm going to read verse 6 through 13. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why are you reasoning these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins be forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. See, Jesus, he's the man. He's not moved, and he's like, what's easier? To say that your sins be forgiven, which nobody could see the result of, but then Jesus, this is the way he always is, and you'll see this boldness in your life, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Oh, you better believe all those religious leaders were going, okay, we got him now. We got him now because if this dude does not get up, then we got him. He's a blasphemy. He's false. Notice Jesus was not moved by any of this. He says, but that you may know. Now, why was he so sure? Because he saw his father say this. He saw it. He said, I, the works, I don't do the works, it's my Father that does them. So I only say what I hear him say, I only do what I see him do. So he already saw this. So he, he was fully persuaded that his Father was going to raise this man up. Wow. But that you, you see the unwavering trust that Jesus had in his Father. The same unwavering trust that you and I are to have in Jesus He never lets you down. Wow. It says, I say unto you, arise, take up your bed, and go your way into your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, 
went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside. So then he leaves. It's like, Jesus, um, what about your roof? Do you see? Jesus said this, my meat. The thing that I live for is to do my Father's will. So then he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him. And what did he do? He taught them. Why? Because he wanted faith to be birthed so that they could receive what God had for them. Teaching, preaching, healing. Do you see how God, when this man, this this paralyzed man had to have faith, and he was in an environment of faith, he had four friends that were willing to bust up a roof and lower him down. See, they believed on the name and they loved their friend. You want to surround yourself with people like that because they took him to the place where the power was. In other words, God will be, he's always trying to bring people in your life to bring you to where the power is. Got to tell you guys, Faith Family Church is where the power is. It's one place. You know, we know that because the word is preached here. So be a friend, right? Invite people. Bring them. Be led by the Spirit of God. If you're believing God for any, any kind of just healing or anything in your life, know that God is going to deal with you He's in love. He's going to bring you to a place where you know, hey, if it's sin, listen, Tony, your sins are forgiven. Now you rise up and walk. Receive what I've got for you. To a New Testament believer, Tony, your sins have already been forgiven. Right? I love you. Receive my best in your life. That's what God would be saying to you today.